0: Welcome to In Our Own Defense Podcast. We're your host, Attorney A.D. Winters, founder and managing attorney of veteransdefender.com and Dr. Dolores Tarber, licensed psychologist and the founder of the new podcast, Time with Tarver, Dr. Tarber. So welcome to In Our Own Defense Podcast. This is another episode on January the 6th, 2021. 2021, this year, is still reeling from the elections that started last year. We had the runoffs on January 5th, 2021, in Georgia for two US Senate seats. So on this episode, we're gonna discuss the politics of yesterday, throughout last night, and the incredible politics of today. Our US Congress had one job, Dr. Tarver, one job. But before we talk about the US Congress and their uh, duty to um, to just uh, usher in the votes, the electoral votes, accept those electoral votes. I wanna talk about the state of Georgia and what it did to turn and transform to blue. How are you doing today, Dr. Tarber?
1: I am doing amazing. I am sitting in a place of pride today as we have elected two Democratic senators. So it doesn't get much better than that for me today.
0: I'm glad you you bring that up because that's exactly what I want to talk to you about. From from your perspective, watching the uh, the state of Georgia turn blue, I found it fascinating to watch how it all transformed. A few years ago, uh, Stacey Abrams you know, the most qualified candidate for governor, ran for governor and lost by about 50,000 votes. It was extremely close. And and it was all sorts of uh, irregularities by the then secretary of state who should have recused himself from any decisions and stepped away from the job so he could actually, run. can't run that office that does the election. And to watch her resiliency, what did you think? She, you know, I posted today, she is the most powerful human being on planet earth why do you do you agree with that and what do you believe that she did that made those two u.s senators now come from uh that turned the the state blue as far as electing a president and two new uh u.s senators one black and one jewish uh that's really important so let's talk about Miss Abrams, how do you think she did this? How do you think she transformed the state of Georgia? And how do you think this reverberates for Black women?
1: There definitely were a lot of steps to the process. Sometimes when you are just outstanding at what you do, you make it look easy. But there was a lot of legwork that went into us getting to this point of turning Georgia blue for both this presidential election, as well as this runoff. For the senator seat. So I think what really resonated with people is that they do feel like Stacey Abrams was robbed in her run for governor. And people felt that. People felt it because it was very personal for them because they got to their poll sites and weren't able to vote. Redistricting occurred. Votes were thrown out. And so people were really hurt in that election when you think you are registered to vote and you go to your polling place and realize that you have been purged and you had no idea i mean as as a person who knows that our ancestors have fought for our freedom so we could even get to the point where we could vote like that's that's a lot of pain and anguish that goes into that and to know that it was because someone was selfish as they were running because again you can't run for governor and be secretary of state, as you said, that your office is responsible for the election so that you cannot do that and not have a conflict of interest. And so people were really, really disheartened by how Brian Kemp handled that election. He was not apologetic about it. He did not do anything to address the voter suppression. Stacey Abrams had to actually go to court herself to be able to change those redistricting laws. And I think for her, it became personal. It became personal because she saw us uh, as, hey, this is my family. These are people who are, are hurt by the fact that they weren't able to participate in something that we, are, we have the privilege to be able to do, participate in our democracy. And when that's taken away from you, you talk about stripping people of their rights, But I can't even elect who I want for my governor. And governor of a state is very important as we have seen during this pandemic when you don't have good leadership in place, then it really affects the cities in that state. And that has shown. Brian Kemp has not shown up for Georgia. He has not had good leadership during this time. Cities had to kind of fend for themselves and figure out what they were going to put in place only to then be told by him, you can't have any more strict laws in place than I do. And so it really handicapped our mayors and and our city struggled as a result of that. And so this was very personal for Georgians. We felt slighted, we felt taken advantage of, we know that voter suppression occurred and to recognize that that is happening and your leadership does nothing about it. So Stacey Abrams mm-hmm. did what I think people do when we create our, our goals for the new year. She, she created a plan, she created steps. Mm-hmm. she got her team, she got her accountability partners and she went to work. So this has been years in the making for this to happen when you are registering um, 400, 800,000 people to vote, then you are really on a mission to make sure that everybody's voice is heard. How can you not appreciate that type of leadership? Because she was on the ground. She was doing the work. She was in the community. She was in the churches. She was in the schools. She was showing up whenever we were having concerts back. I know that feels like a long time ago now. Um, She was showing up at at One Music Fest to register Mm -hmm. people to vote. And so when you have that kind of commitment and people see that you're right here with us in the trenches, then we're going to stand behind you because we know that what you're doing now, when you're not even elected official, when you're not going to be able to, to get a press release as a result of that and get two more years in, right, she's doing this because it matters to her. We matter. To her and so we are beyond proud that she was able to turn the state blue not once but twice and to have people elected who typically don't have a voice here you have a black pastor <laughs> a black black male pastor on top of that the, when I tell you you all probably weren't able to see the ads that came out during this time um, Kelly Leffler, the things that she said about Reverend Warnock are things that were belittling, demeaning. Um, the the commercials about, about him as a pastor, about uh, what he stood for, putting words in his mouth about him not valuing the police, about him not valuing the military. And just, she just tore this man's character down. We still have no idea what platform she was even running on because she never said it. Her whole campaign was around trying to decre- discredit this man and his achievements. and so to see those kind of things and, and this is the type of person that's going to be representing us we don't think so the same thing for for purdue he didn't even show up to debate uh osop i mean it it just was a it began to be a clown show around here and so we want people that actually have and, and it felt like what the leadership we have right now with our current president there's no platform there's no plan there's no leadership and so we wanted to have people here who actually had an active plan to put in place, and we got that, and we're knocking off of. And we are celebrating that. We are celebrating Stacy Abrams and her team. We know it wasn't just her by herself. We know that there were a lot of people who were on the ground making this happen. And, you know, Georgia has a history of doing a lot of things that have been demeaning to people of color, but today, we made sure that everyone had a voice, and the voice was heard.
0: And I think, uh... I gotta, I gotta tell you, I think that's fascinating that Georgia did it. Uh, You know, I've joked online today saying that, you know, it was fitting that Wakanda uh, in the movie, Black Panther, and uh, the fiction place of Wakanda was shot in Georgia. Uh, It was shot there in the state of Georgia. Uh, and, And I've seen a post today of a friend saying well, thank you to all you black folks that moved to Georgia in the last thirty years. You graduated college because that's what got it done. Um, but you're right, uh, Miss Stacey Abrams is essentially the most powerful person on earth um, because of her influence, her drive, her determination, her ability to coalesce. What she did was unheard of, and how she used her platform to help motivate others you know how easy it would have been for her to quit yeah. you know how easy it is for you to lose and you to wallow in that loss instead of getting up and getting back that's what i found so powerful about a statement that you use in time with t uh, on your uh, on your private podcast for your business when i watch what you posted you said you gotta get You got to set a timetable to those goals. Everybody's starting a new year's resolution, everybody's got new goals. You laid out something where you said you have to set a time, put it on the wall and then hold yourself accountable to that time. And if it's not going reevaluate, reassess. And you also talked about the people we have around us. The people around us have to be there, um, have to be there in order to help facilitate that goal, as opposed to competing with it, I thought those were both profound statements. And I want to ask you, you know, if you look at Doctor, uh, you know, Doctor Warnick, Reverend Doctor uh, uh, Warnick Warnock, what do you think about what he did, what he pulled off from being a pastor to the leadership, the big Washington leadership said, "Hey, the best person for this seat would be." you know, uh, Mr. Warnock and to have a 33 year old Jewish young man to get elected. You have a a Reverend who had never been, you know, he's at the most powerful church an HBCU graduate from uh, Morehouse, you know, uh, he had to follow the footsteps of Dr. King at Ebenezer. If you think about it, he grew up in public housing, one as the 11th of 12 child. Uh, born to Verlene and, and Jonathan Warnock, uh, his father was an Army guy from World War II. He grew up in Savannah in the projects. And he, he, he learned about auto mechanics and, and welding. And he, he launched into it uh, uh, in his career. And he wanted to be a psychologist like Dr. King. And he learned that and he studied, you know, uh, and he, 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 he credits his participation to upper Bow. Graduated from Savannah State, um, uh, got his, uh, you know, his masters in philosophy, master's in divinity, and, and doctor of philosophy degrees. He's an ex- incredibly intelligent, well-talented uh, man, but he's really passionate. Uh, he's really passionate about expanding healthcare for all. So I'm excited to see what did you notice in his transformation as becoming the first. U.S. Senator, African American U.S. Senator from the state of Georgia. Just specifically about Dr. Warnock. What, what do you think about his uh, ascension into getting elected?
1: I think anytime you are running for a political office as a black man, there are some criticisms that you are going to face. Um, there, there is commonly, uh, how do you treat the women? in your life, or are you the slick salesman, looks good and talks a good game, right? It's never really about your abilities. There's always these other things that come into play that people talk about who you associate with, um, you know, where, where you go to church, those kind of things come up. And it is very difficult to be able, when people are asking you questions, not about your policies, not about your platform, but about um, a video that that surfaced about a call that your wife made, or uh, that you made a statement um, endorsing a what what people call to be a radical pastor, uh, and so he had to weed through all of those things and still be able. To stand up and not get angry, right? You know the angry black man. And you're uh, you're you're raising your fist and you're um, saying back things to people that they're saying to you, but it looks different because you're a black man. This man had to keep very calm, and I know that those kind of things bothered him. I know that that was difficult to hear about him to tear down his his ministry that he had built up um, to to look at his family and where he came from um and 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 tear that apart the when i tell you the the venom that came out in these ads about him during this time and he had to be you know very very poised and very professional about his responses in him i see people being able to find ways to stand up for themselves and be able to remain focused on the goals um, but at the same time, having to not be able to really address the things that are hurtful, like people get angry, like those comments, I'm sure, um, you know, there were probably conversations he had behind closed doors about the things that were being said about him, but, but he never showed that, that his grace under fire. Um, and, and I think about when I see him, he's a very humble man, um, he's a very articulate man. Uh, but he is also a man of the people. And I think what people appreciated about him and why he was a clear victor first is because people were able to see through to the work that he did because the work that he does stands for itself. And so I, I, I think that for a lot of Georgians, um, Kelly Loeffler, uh, you know, the ongoing joke is uh, that people call her Barbie. Um, no offense to Barbie collectors like myself, but just simply because you have this appearance, this look, but but you're not saying anything. Um, yeah. And
0: I th- and I think that was the I think that ultimately became the clear difference. Naturally, I agree with you 100 percent that Dr. Warnick uh, is an exceptional man, great leader, uh, and he was able to be poised under that extreme stress of lies. I Absolutely. mean these these typical uh, lies, and I. And I watched that same thing as we talk about both of their resiliency with John Ossoff. So when you're watching Thomas John Ossoff, a young man who was, you know, uh, he was a former film producer and then became a investigative, journal- investigative journalist and uh, he ran, he was nominated for, and then he ran for uh, that special election in Georgia's 6th district. And he lost uh, 48.2% to a Republican, 51.8%. And after that, he bounced back. He showed his resilience and he came back and he ran as a 33-year-old running for the US United States Senate. There's only a hundred of them, only 50 states in the United States, hopefully 51 with DC uh, and he, and they ran a beautiful campaign together. So to A, what I wanna, you know, discuss that age and how uh, to see how strong he was at, at his young age. But two, I want to talk to you about, I mean, he was born in the 80s. This is the first 80s baby that's going to be a United States senator. You know, uh, he's going to be about eight, nine, eight, seven, eight years younger than Josh Hawley. Hawley. We're going to get to his next. But but that was pretty profound. So his resilience and his uh, his age and how that, that speaks to us that these 80s babies now can really step in and, and get ready to be partners with us with leading. And then the final part of that is how they ran a symbiotic campaign together. How do you think that leads into those two opening things that I talked about? Number one, and and you're you when you speak about uh, setting a timetable to this goal, and then number two, you said be around make sure that the people around you can be supportive versus a competition so i found that fitting to discuss these two with before I, and i and i know it's, this is going to be quick but i want to take us to that next subject uh, about the events that transpired throughout the night into today so but uh please not
1: um so i think that's one of the things that people really appreciated about Warnock and office because they were working together. There was that collaboration. They saw that brotherhood. They saw that support, and I think they complement each other really well. They are both addressing um, livable wage. They are both addressing making sure that people have a, um, an ability to be able to bounce back from this pandemic, that the, the constant conversation is about being able to give people more stimulus money. And so they were very, I think, relatable to the average person who was able to see like, okay, so you know that we're struggling. It is not about, um, I, and, and I think the the challenge with, um, when you have a, a younger man running, younger Jewish man running, and you have a pastor, African-American pastor running, if there is concern that they won't be able to connect and relate. To a wide variety of people and I think that's one of the things that they both did during their campaign was they showed their relatability. They were able to connect with people, they went into the communities, they asked the questions and I think that's what good leaders do. They went in, they asked people, they had a lot of town halls, they had a lot of conversations with people, they even went to areas that aren't typically um, looked at in Georgia because a lot of times people focus on the larger cities they don't get to some of the, uh, the more rural communities, but they they covered a wide range of cities in Georgia to be able to talk to people and assess their needs and be able to come up with a plan that was representative of all Georgians. And so I think that was one of the ways that they were able to complement each other um, in terms of their communities. Reverend Warnock, of course, had um, your, your church community, your black voters, and then Osof was able to get um, your younger community as well as I think some of the, the people, I didn't like the way this article stated it, but, but essentially they said that the educated people, I think both of them got educated people, but I think they were just talking about the college age group for OSOP because they can connect with him. Being a young person, they feel like he's able to represent their perspective as well. So I think intergenerationally, they were able to be able to, to be a good team to work together.
0: You're on mute. Yeah, I definitely agree with you and I'm extremely proud uh, of what you all wedding in Georgia. Did. So welcome, welcome Georgia. We're so proud of you, Georgia and Georgia did an exceptional job. Uh, in fact, I went to bed on it. I said, I'm just gonna go to sleep. I'm not gonna sit here and I'm not gonna try to watch all of these elections. So overnight it was tenable early on in the night it looked ugly because of the votes just the way they matriculated the bigger populous areas columbus atlanta macon and savannah those numbers hadn't come in and they were two they were much larger account than the smaller areas so they were getting uh, done with their accounts early and so they were about a hundred thousand behind and, and they knew there were plenty of votes up there still to make and the articulate the, uh, the voting leader of the voting commission, uh, there's a voting manager, I can't think of his name, but he came out and he he spoke to it like, no, here's the numbers, don't let him, there's nothing wrong, irrespective of what the current occupant of the uh, 1600 Pennsylvania is saying, there's nothing wrong, we are counting, this is how it happens, there's so many votes came in by mail. And he did a great job explaining it, and I woke up about one o'clock at in, in, in night, uh, West Coast time, about four of you guys Tom, and they were feverishly going through these counts and talking it out and breaking it down. And I, I could barely see when I opened my eyes about one. And I looked. And Reverend uh, Dr. Wardick was he was, you know, they had already called the race and he had won. You know, he was, he had, he had won. And, and I'm looking at Osof and Osof had taken over the lead. And I'm like, what? And then they start saying the numbers that are out are blue numbers. They're numbers. If he keeps going at 60%, like he's winning here, 70% like he's winning here, then he's going to win by an even bigger margin, and which may not, you know, what will surpass the 0.5%, which means that he wouldn't get an automatic uh, uh, recount. And so he was like, "This is this is what we're going to." And I, and I could not get back to sleep because I had to go to work this morning. I was like, I just could not get to sleep. I was so fascinated by it. And I would watch and get it and ignored and sleep and I just watched it all night until the morning. Well, the big part of the day, ultimately it looked like, you know, Julia was going to get these two centers and we, we saw it and, and it did happen. And then.